Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's The Big Show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 the Zone. Jake coming at you live from our Carrier Zone studios. Austin Horton producing today across the glass from me. And safely social distancing from Costa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Hello, Jake. How are you doing today? Hope you're having a good Monday. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there, buddy. How are you? You have a good weekend? Yeah, everything, uh, everything good. Uh, went on a good long walk yesterday and uh, enjoyed looking around at uh, the, our beautiful city and uh yeah had a good weekend you yeah it was good um we we also did a family walk although i'll I'll tell you about my experience my my wife is extraordinarily pregnant uh we are on uh you know we're on high alert got a couple of weeks to go uh not even a couple of weeks actually come to think of it (laughs) the the well anyway i won't get into it but time is limited uh, let me put it that way. So my my wife recently has discovered that we did not take uh, enough pictures of her when she was pregnant the first time. Oh, really? <laughs> well, okay. She wanted she wants to show my daughter, who's curious about the whole pregnancy concept, right? At at three, almost four years old, and so we, you know, oh, I'll show you pictures of me when I was pregnant with you, and we just didn't have very many, right? So so she didn't want to make that mistake again. So we decided. All right. Well, let's take some. We'll get the camera. We'll we'll head on up to the Capitol because it's uh, cherry blossom time. You know, pretty sweet. Oh up there. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you know who else had that idea? Who? Um, at least fifty to sixty percent of the state. <laughs> I know that my daughter and her family were there. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I think everybody was there. I think, I, I mean. Who wasn't there? It, we, it ended up being fine. It ended up being nice, and we walked, and we took pictures, and, you know, my three-year-old got a, a big-time kick out of it. So, you know, it was all good. But I got to admit, when I pulled up, it was like, whoa, okay, well, some some other folk are taking advantage of the fantastic weather and the cherry blossoms. Although, this is the credit to my wife, who has unreal parking luck. Unreal parking look. Me, I'll park miles away and just get the the worst spots possible and drive around for a half an hour for the pleasure, right? We make the, if you think that road going straight up the hill to the Capitol and then you make the right, right? And as soon as we come around that corner and I actually see how many people are there, what happens? You see those magic reverse lights that are just up (laughs) yonder right across the street from the Capitol. It's like, wow, that is amazing. And it happens to her all the time. But anyway, uh, I digress. So shout out to everybody who had the same brilliant idea yesterday to go up to the Capitol and take some pictures. It was popular. Yeah. So I have a question for you about uh, parking etiquette since you brought up parking. Uh, today I was uh, One going One stall some... only. 
Uh, I, I was <laughs> parking stall lines are merely suggestions. That's my I hot should, take. I should have known better than to bring this. Up anyway, now. anyway, you. So I, um, I'm in a crowded parking lot and I'm I'm waiting for. Uh, well, I'm looking for an open spot and there are none. And so what did I do? I saw an elderly couple who was walking along the cars and I thought, ah, they're they're leaving. So I stealthily kind of uh, followed them a little bit in my car as they were walking, and they got in a car. And I thought, bingo, I got myself a parking spot. So I'm sitting there waiting for them to pull out. And just so you can see the visual on this, okay, so they're pulling out to the uh, away from me, you know, uh, in the opposite direction. And I'm sitting there to turn left into their parking spot. Well, in the meantime, an individual drives up behind them and stops waiting. And I thought, okay, he's just waiting for them to clear out so he can drive on. Because obviously he sees me and I've been there for a full minute now waiting for these people to pull out. Right. And so. While I'm sitting there waiting, they pull out, and I go to pull in, and he zips into the parking spot. This is this sounds like a cliche, right? It sounds like something out. Oh yeah, everybody, yeah, you're right. No, this happened right in front of me. As he starts to pull in, I honk, and I say, "Hey, uh, I've been waiting, sitting here waiting for this spot long before you drove up." And he said, he yelled back some words like, I can't say on the air. A few F-bombs. And uh, I just looked at him, and he said, I'm in a hurry. And I'm looking at him like, I, I'm, I'm kind of in a hurry too, you know. But what should I have done? Because then I thought, oh, man, he's obviously grumpy. Something's going on in his life. So I said, Go ahead and take it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take it. Take it. I'll find another one. And he ignored me and just zipped past me, swearing as he went. So I felt bad. I felt, man, I don't know what that guy's going through. Maybe he's going through something difficult in his life. Maybe, you know, I tried to make it good, but I should have done that right from the beginning, right? Or should I have been combative? Well, yeah, I think like hockey, uh, a fist fight would have really helped this scenario. <laughs> I think that that was just what the doctor ordered. Was, uh, well, let me ask you. There was one, no high sticking involved. Let me ask you one one key piece of, of information here, if I mm-hmm. might. Did you have your blinker on? Uh, I think I did. That's a no. That that no, is the key no, issue no, here pretty, because if you I'm do not sure have I your did. if you do not have your blinker on then you are just being courteous to the person backing out and could easily be on your way out of the parking lot. If you have your blinker on, then -hmm. that means that uh, you are waiting for that spot. So that that is the key piece to this entire whodunit wrong uh, discussion. I really can't really say. I don't remember whether I had it on or not. I mean, I usually put it on, but I, I don't know if I did. One thing's for sure. He didn't. He didn't have any kind of blinker on. He just came zipping in there. And, but in uh, this so case, anyway. he's, he's as you so eloquently described the scenario, he's on the right side of the road. 
What does that have to do with anything? Uh, usually, the right side of the road gets the old right away in such. Uh, what? Sir, if you're not turning in, a parking in, lot. If you're not turning in, if you don't. Have I was turning on, in. I, I had already started to pull in. If you he clearly, he clearly saw that I was waiting for that. If you did spot. not have your blinker on, I would assume that you were driving out of the out of the parking lot and just being uh, nice oh. to let somebody back out. That's what <laughs> That's I would assume true. if I did I, well, not I don't see a blinker. I might have had it on. I, I really don't remember that. Uh, now that you ask, but uh, that's the I, like uh, only relevant part of the story is if you had your blinker on or not. Because how are you supposed to know? We have Jake, rules in Jake, society, and that those Jake, rules are when you're waiting for I, a parking spot, your blinker goes I on. I was I was sitting there, and I was had was halfway turned in, waiting for them to pull away. I when I spot the elderly couple at the at the front of the parking lot, as soon as I follow them, I put on my blinker. Because I don't want them to think I'm stalking them to rob them or something. I'm just well, whether I give them. Well, well, I'm following you to your spot. Oh come on! Or, it's a crowded parking lot. Everybody knows. Come on, Jake. Everybody knows what the deal is the when the parking is lot. The whole story. Is, you ask well, me who I, was at fault here. That's the whole crux of the story. Well, I, I wish I could remember. That's where the I winner and loser is declared, my friend, with the blinker. Well, I, 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 well, I can't say. I, I'm really trying to think whether I had it on or not. But after everything I, said and done, should you have fist fought the guy? Yeah, 100 percent. No, I mean, really, I, you know, in the spirit of, of being kind, I, I, I probably should have just let him pull in there. But I'm telling you, it was jammed, and, I, and there was no place to park. And yeah, so you were I, really being kind as much as kind of passive-aggressive, right? Like. Hey, well, I, I, you're well, a I big time out. jerk. Enjoy your spot, but I, you know, I've got, I'm the bigger <laughs> man. Go ahead and take it. And then, interestingly was, enough, who ended up with the spot? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Victory well, declared. Yeah, but I did feel a little. I felt yeah because you don't know what people are going through. I don't know what his his issue was. I, I don't think he's probably that way all the time, but he was that way in that particular moment, which tells me that he probably you know had some something heavy going on. So anyway, all right. Well, uh, I, I'm going to have to. I really don't remember whether I had the blinker on or not. Well, I'm just telling you, uh, as a rule of thumb, when you're waiting for somebody in that spot, you if you if you sit there with the blinker on and they still snake you i mean by all means go to wanda on that car i'm if you've ever seen the that movie fried green tomatoes one of the great lines of all time where she gets well, uh, in the exact same scenario she gets bent out of shape and these these younger gals walking away go face it lady we're younger and faster and then she proceeds to ram her own vehicle into that parked car <laughs> repeatedly. And then the yeah. lady comes back out. And she goes, what are you, crazy? And she says, face it, gals. I'm older and have more insurance. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you've got your blinker on and that, that other car snakes in there at the last second, then, then by all means, uh, you, you ram that car repeatedly. But if the blinker wasn't on, buddy, I don't know. That's the signal. That's the, that's the universal yeah. rule. Uh, well, I you know I, I don't think I'm going to be able to answer that because I don't know whether go I go to the black box. Not. A car like yours has got to have a black box. How do we get? Will, in, how do we I get will. into that thing? Hmm. Well, I I don't know. Actually, it's my wife's car I was driving. So that one has anyway. a black box too. I guarantee it. 
Uh, Sven says, according to Monson's age, I just assume he always has his blinker on. Good point. <laughs> that's, that's solid evidence on Gordon's behalf here is that and what's the likelihood that blinker was on pretty you know, It's always or never. Who, no, who said that? Our guy Sven. Uh, well, I'd get mad at Sven, but he's he's, he's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Sven's hilarious. All right, should we jump into the split story? We have a lot uh, to sure. do today. You ready to go? Uh-huh. All right, hit it, Austin. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Top Ilyasova fires the 3-1 to foul call. Didn't get it. Can't miss. Ursan Ilyasova is 5-for-5 five five in the first quarter with 15 points, and the Jazz lead at 35-32. Kuzma. Drive to the basket. Ilyasova eradicates him at the rim. Left side, Bogdanovich. Top to O'Neal. Right corner, Joe. Another contested three. He hits. The Jazz are on a 12-0 run. They've cut it to one. Ingles guarded by Drummond. Pull for three. Oh, Joe, don't do me like that. How about it? Joe Ingles for three. His fifth of the game. And the Jazz lead it by two. Joe, you're filthy. 108-107. Lakers by one. What's Quinn Drum? He gets Ingles at the top. He works to his left. Flares to Clarkson. Open three. Got it. Jordan Clarkson. Flares to the right wing and buries the three, and the Jazz are up 110-108. Schroeder comes to the ball. He drives by O'Neal. Layup good. Jazz got confused. Great play by Frank Vogel. Ingles, left-hand drive in the lane. Gives it out to Clarkson. Cross-court to Bogdanovich. Go and catch. Pass across the lane. Turnover. Fast break. Lakers. Ball game. All right, Gordon. Uh, over the weekend, the Jazz fall in overtime to the Lakers, one twenty-seven to one fifteen, missing um, you know uh, a couple of key players. Donovan Mitchell, of course, is out. Uh, will be reevaluated in a week. But Rudy did not play. Derek Favors did not play. Mike Conley did not play, and uh, they pushed the Lakers, who of course were short LeBron and AD, but uh, pushed them to overtime, only to really run out of gas. And by by the way, did you know, Gordo, that the Jazz have not won an overtime game since 2018? Wow, that's that's something. I Oof. think it's 0-8. It's either 0-7 or 0-8. Is it 0-9? That was the ninth one. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So as I'm watching that game, well, first of all, let me ask you the question. Who was more shorthanded? The Lakers without LeBron freaking James and uh, AD or the Jazz missing those four? Well, the Jazz by far. Okay, so LeBron James is the best basketball player on the planet, right? AD is probably what a top five guy. Okay. So I'm talking. I'm not talking about numbers, obviously. I'm talking about overall missing of the abilities. So, Jazz down three all-stars and an entire position group. Yeah, I think that's more. <laughs> okay. So, we've got that settled. But uh, what we witnessed was that the Laker um, secondary unit is uh, was superior to the Jazz's. <laughs> On that particular day in overtime, yeah, I think the Lakers should really be embarrassed that they, they let it go to overtime, frankly. You know, you know the most embarrassing staff for the Lakers on there is Andre Drummond getting eight rebounds. 
a corpse his size would have gotten eight rebounds against that Jazz team. Oh, you're going to rip Andre Drummond when he yes. scores 27 oh, points, oh. and he's a plus 18. On top of that, how about Andre Drummond lucking into three of the luckiest Dern fast break opportunities that you've ever seen in your entire life? That's six points right there on a, on a play that is 100%, 100% of the time. So Man, yeah, time, and, and yes, whole... and yes, he should be embarrassed. He had two rebounds at half and eight rebounds in the entire game. Gordon, the 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 Jazz bigs, and when I say big, I use the term really loosely. Were Urson Ilyasova and Jawan Morgan. He should the, the Jazz shouldn't have gotten a rebound the whole game. He should have Jake. scored fifty and Jake. had sixty rebounds because they had nobody who was within a hundred pounds. And several inches of Andre Drummond. So do not tell me that Andre Drummond had a good, a good game. Do not. Do oh, that. my gosh. The whole time I'm watching that game, I'm saying, okay, Andre Drummond is really showing that he can help this team. And, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, now, wait a minute. What did Jake say about the addition of Andre Drummond? Oh, he said it meant nothing. And so I'm thinking the whole time. As he scores his 27 points on 10 of 15 shooting, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, as you mentioned, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, steals, and I I, I thought, okay, what? how is Jake going to spin this to make this seem like it, it really didn't happen? Oh, it was, sure not, enough, it was not a did, good game. You didn't disappoint me. At all, it was that's, not a good game. That's for why. Him. That's why ESPN chose to interview him after the game, oh, right? Because, because he played judgment like crap. Is the end all, be all. But uh, and by the way, congratulate them for for picking the highest scorer on the Lakers to interview after the game. But no, I did not think that that was a good game from Andre Drummond. I fe- I actually think, given his advantage, it was quite ineffectual. And if you want to argue oh the, gosh, if you want to argue Jake. the scoring, sure, knock yourself out. But eight rebounds—that is embarrassing against. Okay, so we did. He okay. He almost he almost had double figures in rebounding, and he scored twenty seven points, making two out of every three shots he took. And you're sitting here complaining about the man, Jake. This is what you call substantiating a position that you once held with sort of twisted logic here. Listen, Gordon. If, Come if, take on. Away those, I can't believe I'm hearing take this. Take away those six fluky fast break points, oh, and he had please. 21 points on seven we can't of take those away. Seven and of they 12 shooting. Fluky. Oh, the, all three of them uh, were fluky, and they all oh, happened right gosh. right in a row. It was unbelievably uh, un- unbelievable. Fluky. Is you that it's was you an average game. At best, oh average game goodness. at best. In fact, so he should be embarrassed, are, embarrassed so, that he only had eight rebounds. You are so full of it, Jake Scott. I mean, normally you're just sort of kind of full of it. But on this occasion, you are complete. You are filled up to here. I don't know what to tell you if you think that that was some sort of extraordinary game. In fact, when he had two rate rebounds at half, it's funny. I thought just about you. I thought, I wonder what Gordon feels about these two uh, rebounds by this guy at half. Boy, what an impact. Again, again, 27 points on 10 of 15 shooting, 7 of 8 from the free throw line where you really prove that you got nerves of steel. By the way, he's the the highest plus minus of anybody on the court. By the way, if you want to talk about Fluky, let's talk about his free throws. You know what he shoots? Uh, he, this year he's go. this year he's having a, his best year of his career, and give him a lot of credit because he's shooting sixty percent. 
Do you know what he shoots for a career from the line, Gordon? I don't know, and that doesn't matter. Forty-six point nine percent. We're talking about this game. So if that, he mean, had, that means he was even better, way better than he usually is. He'd be down in the teens if he had his uh, average oh, day shooting geez. from free throws, and you take away those uh, those fluky fast break points and <laughs> so it, the average geez. at best, and the the rebounds is embarrassing. I notice what? you keep going back to the points and ignore eight rebounds and two at half. Well, but. when you go into overtime, if one of your players scores, oh, and they went to overtime. He didn't even do that in regulation. <laughs> You're it's, right. And wait. by the way, that plus-minus number. What was the plus-minus uh, in overtime? So that skews that number right out of the building because the Jazz are outscored seventeen to five. Well, you can go ahead and rationalize it. I'm not rationalizing anything. Want. I'm telling you he about was, that game, he, and he that scored, was far from a good game he for scored, him. He scored more points than anybody else on the court, except for. Jordan Clarkson, who tied him at 27. And you're going to sit here and complain about the man? Oh, Jig, come on. He didn't have a good game. Oh, I'm not complaining about anything. He didn't have a good game. Uh, yes, he did. Gordon. You and I will just agree with <laughs> on this, obviously. This was like your, your teenage baseball story. He was playing against the, the Jazz, did not have an entire composition group. They didn't have a big on the uh, roster. First of all, I wasn't a teenager. I was like nine or ten or something. All right? So you're wrong on that count. And these were all NBA players, right? Yeah. Put your your shorts on. Put your big boy shorts on and go out and play. And he was the leading scorer on the floor and had the best plus minus. Kind of. And 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 put your big boy pants on and go get some rebounds over those little kids out there. Because you have all the advantage. You're just swatting away eight boards like that's nothing. It is nothing. For him against that team, that was nothing. That was uh, absolutely uh, paltry. To to finish under his average for rebounds against a team that doesn't have a big? Come on! That's a tremendous victory for the Jazz right there. I thought they were going to get out-rebounded 4-1 to in that game. No kidding. Oh, but he had a great game. He did. He did not. That was average at best. It's just unbelievable. And when when your guys what you're doing right now, what? you're proving to our listeners that you have a preconceived notion, and then you do everything possible to make it make what happened uh, at, thereafter to fit in. You're, you're you're it's like putting you're like squeezing it in there to make it make it make sense. But the more you talk, the less sense it makes. Except for you're doing the exact same thing. No, I'm not. Yes, I'm just looking are. I'm just yes, looking at the performance are. and I'm looking at the results. I don't know and, how you can watch that game and think that now I shouldn't put it that way because I hate it when people put it that way. I, I take it back. I, I watched that game and I thought this is not an above average game for him given the circumstance. And and you know what? Rational minds can disagree. I, I didn't mean to take it that far. I apologize. But I'll tell you this. I did not think he had a good game. And you can accuse me of looking through at it through a lens and maybe I am but I'm telling you what I thought the story of that game would be and I, I talked about it in the pregame I thought the story of that game would be that Andre Drummond was a man amongst boys and he was going to get a hundred rebounds and he was just going to dunk all night and that is not what happened that is not what no, happened what happened was he led his team in scoring nearly scoring a point a minute and the Jazz couldn't stop the two Laker guards who both scored 25. They did not win that game because of Andre Drummond, and I don't think he had a good game. I really don't. All right. 
Okay, we'll agree to disagree. I just, I just, I'm not, I just, whatever, whatever. But we went into that game. If Rudy Gobert had a game where he had 27 points and eight rebounds, you'd be singing his praises. I don't care who they're playing against. I don't think I would, actually, given that circumstance. Yeah, you would. No, I really don't. I'd give him praise like I'd give Drummond praise for making seven out of eight free throws. That's, uh, That's above average for them. All right. Well, I'll just let I'll just let the facts. What facts? Like a number on a box score? Well, I mean, anybody who watched the game I, saw what happened. See, now I didn't do that to you, and I stopped, and you just did that right. to me. That is well, not the case. Well, we'll okay. ask Locke about it because Locke didn't think he had a good game either. Well, whatever. I mean, that's doesn't he, make that it doesn't make it right. I know, but you just said anybody who watched the game. All right. I disagree. I, I honestly disagree. I don't think I don't think that's the case. And we, you know the talk going into that game before we knew that Rudy and Favors and Conley were all going to miss it was well can the Jazz win without Donovan Mitchell? Well then you take away every other key uh, contributor on the team outside of Joe and Mike Conley. And oh, don't cry! But don't I, cry. I'm not crying that. about anything. But when they pushed it to overtime, man. And Andre Drummond far from the, dominated when, when he Lakers, absolutely should have. When the Lakers are missing the best player on the planet. But we and knew that going may, in. Maybe, well, I know, but they still were missing uh, huge pieces to what they do. And look at me. You're making me stick up for the Lakers. You always do. There. Oh, I do not. I, I stick up more for the Jazz than I do for the Lakers. I don't have any rooting interest here. I'm just saying, you know, uh, I, I think it goes both ways. I mean, if anybody, if whoever was announcing the game was going, oh, man, the Jazz are missing Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley, uh, then, yeah, I mean, I, okay. But also point out that LeBron freaking James and uh, Anthony Davis were missing too. I mean, so the teams were wounded. Both teams were, obviously. And I I don't know. I, I didn't think the Jazz deserved to win that game. I, well, okay. All right. I think it's amazing they pushed it to overtime. And by the way, shout out to Jordan Clarkson. What a clutch shot that was, that three-point make. Yeah, yeah, that was. No doubt about that. And Ursan Ilyasova coming out of coming out of nowhere to uh, boy, he was hot, especially early on. Oof. And the block of the year, which is something to say on a team that has Rudy Gobert, where <laughs> That's he true. he ended uh, Kyle Kuzma's will to live in one play. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll have more big show coming up. Uh, Coach Chiesa will be on with us at three. Chris Mannix is at four. More next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at thirty update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call three eight five. 420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. All right, love it. We're doing these uh, jazz updates at the bottom of the hour. Let's start things off with a little sound from Ursan Ilyasova. He was great on Saturday. 
20 points, 6 of 8 shooting, had a terrific block. Uh, he is doubtful for tonight's game, but let's hear him talking about the importance of staying prepared for your chance. I mean, this is, you know, the, the, the beauty of the team, you know, everybody ready. And obviously it's a long season, you know, a lot of ups and downs as far as just, you know, the injuries and, you know, things like that. And I think when you look at this team, you know, everybody ready. Uh, obviously, sometimes you have no minutes, but, you know, you do your work and obviously get ready. And when you name call, you know, you just get up there and do whatever necessary. And uh, this is one of those nights, you know, when uh, everybody was, you know, come up on the bench ready to play. And uh, like I said, we, we had this game and close to the end, we close and close out. You know, obviously, if uh, we could rebound a little bit more and, you know, uh, less turnovers, we could win this game. Here's your injury report for tonight's game against the Lakers. Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley both probable. Derek Favors is questionable. Irsan Ilyasova is doubtful for tonight's game against the Lakers. So this bottom-of-the-hour Jazz update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. Don't forget, tonight the Jazz take on the Lakers. Tip is at 8. Pre-game begins at 7. You're locked on to the big show presented by Big O Tires. Just doing it big, you know. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Band of the day today is Bruno Mars, selected by Gordon, and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to livenation.com. Any inspiration today for Bruno Mars, Gordo, or just uh, we're kind of in a, a grooving mood? Nah, the other day my wife played uh, one of Bruno's new songs that she she really liked, and so I put that thought in my mind. So All I right. thought, what the heck, why not? You know, All right. It seems like talent, a- talented dude. Seems like an upbeat way to start off the week on a Monday. I like it. All right. There you go. Uh, Gordon, the other big story of the weekend. Well, I guess there were several big stories, but another big story of the weekend. Uh, University of Utah had their spring game. It was uh, fun to see all the pictures of of the fans in the stands. And uh, I would imagine uh, people were pretty excited to see a little football again. Uh, Not that the score ever matters in these sorts of things, but uh, the red team beat the black team 21-0. Of course, uh, the big story coming out is uh, Charlie Brewer. That's what all the buzz was about, Gordon. He competed all 15 of his passes for 151 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, thoughts? Uh, he looks like the guy. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt about that. I know Cam Rising is out there healing, but uh, this Brewer kid, he looks he looks good to me, and he looks like he's uh, taking over a leadership role on the team, inspiring confidence from his teammates. So I, Austin and I were talking about this a little bit before the show. In all my years covering spring ball, Gordon, and if, if you have never gotten this assessment, uh, feel free to disagree. But I've always thought, you know, the coaches kind of have a narrative going into these things. And they, you know, do what they can to kind of get the outcome that they want because the actual game <laughs> itself doesn't have a ton of meaning to them. You know, they they get more of their, their coaching assessment done in the, the scrimmages and the practices. And the, the spring game is kind of something for the fans, right? And so yeah. he kind of wants everybody – they want everybody to come away with the impression that they're 
they want, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's I don't think it's an accident that Charlie Brewer looked good. And I don't I don't want to take away from it because you know great on him, couple of touchdowns, go have a day. But it wouldn't surprise me is that that the that's the assessment. They agree with you, Gordon. That's the assessment throughout the spring ball, and want to put him in a position where he can be the guy leading throughout the the summer. Because we know with co- when coaches can't be around, and I'm I'm holding up air quotes there because you know it's no coincidence that their office windows just you know look right down upon the pl- <laughs> the practice field. You know what I mean? But. Uh. The point is, they're kind of they probably setting that hierarchy for a reason because they want him to step into a leadership role because they likely feel like he's the guy uh, that is going to be going into fall. And you know, I'm not a mind reader, and uh, they they're including Cam Rising and all the answers in the conversation. And so, you know, there'll probably be a, a bit of a competition in the fall. But I I think they are setting up Charlie Brewer to be in a good position to win the job. Is that yes. is that is that yeah. is that unfair? Am I jumping to not enough conclusions or too many conclusions? Oh, uh, okay. Some people might think that's a tad bit snarky, but uh, I think we get what you're saying. Yeah, yep. Get him comfortable. Make uh, allow him if he's able to to rise up to the occasion to look good, and uh, and he did. Pretty hard to beat fifteen of fifteen, right? Right. And then the the other story I think is you know I'm we're, I'm going to keep an eye on throughout the summer and going into fall is you know there's a lot of opportunity for position players that maybe aren't on our radar to really step into some roles vacated by transfers and and other reasons that uh, that of course uh, everybody's familiar with you know so there's going to be some opportunities for specifically wide receivers. And uh, they may still add yet some wide receivers out of the transfer portal, but specifically wide receivers, but some running backs too. I mean, Micah Bernard is really the only running back um, that we have any sort of familiarity with, right? They've got the TJ yeah. Pledger coming in from Oklahoma. And uh, is it uh, Chris Curry, right, who transferred in from, from LSU, which, you know, Utah has no problem attracting uh, stud running backs. So I wouldn't doubt if either one of those guys turned out to be really, really good. So, you know, I think there's some opportunity for some guys maybe that, uh, that to, to, to be new and spring onto the scene. Yeah. You know, I, th- I find it interesting. First of all, let me address a couple things you said there. You know, that Utah doesn't have a hard time finding running backs. You know, Kyle Whittingham addressed that a, few, a couple of weeks ago, and he said it with such pride, you know. Uh, do you remember that? Do you remember hearing that? Yeah. And uh, if I'm a running back, I'd be looking at Utah for sure, you know, uh, because they've had such a great track record of, of uh, runners uh, making hay here and gaining a whole lot of yards. And – being accommodated uh, in order to see that success. So that's one thing that that Kyle has uh, has established through all his years at Utah. And the other thing is uh, the, the whole the whole transfer thing. You and I have talked about that a lot, but it it seems as though this is a whole new skill, uh, or, or, you know, signing <laughs> free agents. And, uh, you know, the Utes lose some uh, and, uh, and they gain some. Now, that'll be interesting to see how that exchange goes moving forward. Will they lose more than they gain? Will it be a net positive for Utah football moving forward? Because I, if, I, if I'm a player somewhere else and I'm unhappy where I am and I'm considering transferring, there, 
those Utah coaches, including Kyle Whittingham, have a pretty good track record of finding the right spot for you to make you look good, not just in a spring game, but during the regular season, enough for you to get the attention of NFL scouts. And, you know, that I think Utah, it's a terrific school. It's, uh, it's, I disagree with some of the offensive play calling and emphasis, as you and I have discussed before. But it's a, it's a tremendous football program, a great school, and the coaches there are going to make you better, if uh, at least at most positions. By the way, uh, quick corrections and retractions, and I don't know how I made this mistake, but Micah Bernard, not Mackay. That doesn't make any sense. I it is Mackay, not Micah. Colorado, oh, Colorado, tomato. tomato. I'm, all, I'm only reading it, M-I-C-A-H, Mackay. I mean, that, that's spelled like I would have read it Micah as well, anyway, but it is Mackay. Mackay. I apologize. My apologies. Obviously, we're familiar with his work, too. So These, these, names, these names can get complicated. Here's, here's the thing, though, that I, it concerns me a little bit, though, is just how special Ty Jordan was when talking specifically about the running backs. I mean, getting, getting that type of, of production and spark into an offense is, is probably not all that realistic. I mean, um, that has less to do with a critique on the, the current uh, players there in that position group and more just a compliment on and how just amazing a football player he was. And really, I I hate bringing that up because it just points out the fact that how sad the ending to that story was just because there was yeah. so much so much potential there just, oh. just because he was that good. He was so good. Yes, unbelievable. And You said it. What a sad story. And I think you fans are still struggling to get over that, yeah. as they should. Because just a, a terrific young guy, and uh, and anybody who saw, we remember right at the beginning when we saw him perform on the field. I think you and I both said to each other, "Keep your eye on that guy. That guy's got some talent." And uh, I, you know, he might have been a little undersized, but there have been great running backs who have been less than tall. And uh, when I saw that kid run, I thought, "What a thing of beauty that is!" So for his life to be to be ended uh, so prematurely, man, that, that was, uh, yeah. I don't care whether you're a fan or an observer of college football or even a fan of a different school, when you consider that whole thing, it's, it's heartbreaking. It is, and it should say a lot about him, and not that we want to dwell on this subject today per se, but um, should say a lot about him that he played his way up the running back depth chart at Utah the way that he did to be the guy as a freshman. I mean, yeah. Zach Moss had to wait his turn at Utah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what a special player he turned into and is going to have many years in the NFL. So well, that, 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 a- that accomplishment in and of itself is is pretty remarkable. That's interesting that you bring that up because there's two routes to go. One is that you have to – you have to fight your way through, you know, and, uh, you know, as we said, Utah has a, a stable of running backs who are, who have potential. And, uh, you, man, if you're going to, if you're going to see the field at Utah as a running back, you, you got to prove it. And then the other side of that is what you were talking about. And whether it's true or not, I don't know about Charlie Brewer being helped along to establish himself as a leader uh, you know, that's a different route. And I'm not saying he's not earning it, but uh, there, there are different ways to do it. We've heard Kalani Sataki down at BYU talk about the importance of, of earning stuff. But 
It's one thing to earn it. It's another thing to be a little late in discovering the talent that's there. So if you see someone like Ty Jordan, man, okay, make him work a little bit, but watch him run. Watch him run and watch him help you win. I mean, they lost several quality running backs to transfer because they they looked at Ty not in a way like, <laughs> wow, they, they gave him an opportunity I didn't get, but looked at him in a way like, I'm not going to be able to beat that guy out. I need to go find <laughs> another place to play. Well, let's see. So, the, the kid runs with the wind, and he's got yeah. all those moves that he had. They're just a, a preeminent talent. Yeah. So, so well. Utah may have some dudes. In fact, Looking at their track record, uh, track record with running backs, I think it's likely they've got some dudes. But man, yeah. he was special. He, he, it will not be possible to replace him next year. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. But all right, we'll have more big show coming up. Stay tuned. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and uh, 12 the Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. Spring, uh, Their spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save up to $1,000. Start your road to be- uh, better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out, davisvisionmd.com, or call today, 801-253-3080. At Davis Vision, Gordon Coach Chiesa will join us at the top of the three o'clock hour. Mannix at four. Uh, we were talking youth football in the last segment. Uh, this is youth football related. Alex Smith announced that he's uh, he's going to retire. Announced his retirement today. Yes, he did. And Alex is a uh, a one. He's a proud uh, Utah alum, and he's a Utah alum that uh, other Utah alums can be proud of. I mean, his career. I guess if you want to look at it. Uh, straight ahead uh maybe not a stellar career but certainly a productive one and i mean threw for over thirty-five thousand yards and um expectations for alex were high because he was the number one pick in the draft in 2005 but uh talented guy smart guy and a guy that was easy for fans to uh appreciate even though some of them didn't because of uh, a few struggles along the way but I really liked Alex Smith. I, I thought he was a heady guy, and I thought he was a really good guy. And uh, so, and we all saw what happened in the last year. It's funny. I was writing a column about this that'll be posted at SL Trip sometime this afternoon, I think. Uh, that uh, he, you know, the toughness he showed in the, his comeback as comeback player of the year last year. Jake, you saw the pictures. You saw the images of that whole thing. What? What? I mean, not only was he struggling to see if he could come back and play football again, he was struggling to stay alive. And he showed enormous uh, fortitude in that circumstance to come back and then play last year. And uh, I, I think fans really, really came to appreciate that kind of effort. But it reminded me of a conversation I had with Alex back in 2000. I don't know, back, uh, it was like, I don't know, 10, 10 years ago or something. And we were talking about his career, and I wrote a little about this. But he, he, he <laughs> reminded me that uh, one of his coaches in San Francisco, one of his head coaches, 
uh, he suffered a, 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 a shoulder separation. And he was in severe pain, and he went back out on the field and uh, was playing again, even though it hadn't. It, he thought it needed surgery and it wasn't functioning properly. But he went back out on the field and played anyway. And then after a, a, a couple of games or something, he said, man, I'm not doing my team any good because I just can't function like this. And his coach, Dick Nolan at the time, he questioned publicly, he questioned Alex's toughness and his commitment to the game. And I remember uh, looking straight at Alex, and he said how much that bothered him because he always took great pride in his in his, the way he approached the game and uh, his, uh, his, his, his toughness. And to have his coach question that publicly to reporters really, really bothered him. And uh, I, I just remember the, his – his expression and, and the words he used when he when he said that, and and so I think his career has pretty well proven that the dude's pretty darn tough, and uh, I think that uh, that question could be swatted away as just a a coach that had a little too much machismo who didn't really understand what Alex was going through at that time. What do you think? I think he had a great career. I don't think he played 16 seasons in the NFL without. Uh... You know, that's a long run. And he went to the playoffs, and he certainly had some achievements in Kansas City. I thought um, I always it always really sat wrong with me that he lost his job in San, uh, San Francisco because he got a concussion. Um, not to, to bog down with that discussion, but I just don't think that's right. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, in Kansas City, this is, you know, I think he'll be mentioned with his comeback from the injury. I think that will ultimately be the leading narrative in Alex mm-hmm. Smith's career. But I, I think something that will never, well, I shouldn't say never, will rarely get mentioned is the, the teammate that he was to Patrick Mahomes. Yes. When yeah. they drafted Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes to replace him. And he did not, and we've heard Patrick himself and Andy Reid both talk about this that uh, he did not approach that situation with anything else but uh, class and professionalism and showed uh, showed Patrick Mahomes how to be a winning quarterback in the NFL. And uh, I think that shows a lot of maturity and, and just what a selfless teammate a person can be. And, and by the way, he was rewarded because Andy Reid found him a really lucrative landing spot in Washington. And he got set up with one last really big contract. And then, of course, the injury happened and, and the rest is history. But... Um, he was a really great teammate, and Patrick Mahomes may turn out to be one of the all-time greats. And uh, he, if he does, then he will have to partially credit Alex Smith for being a great teammate. <laughs> and uh, knowing Patrick, he's more than happy to do that. So I, I don't know. That probably is a part of his legacy that won't be talked about enough, but I don't think that happens a lot in the NFL. I really don't. And uh, for him to do that, I think it deserves, he deserves credit for the type of teammate that he was as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. All right, Coach. 100%. Coach Chiesa will join us coming up next. Stay tuned. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.